Grüße. While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast tonight. Uh, yes, Tom. <laughs> we'll be having a caller-free segment with New Bedford yeah. Mayor John Mitchell. People are going to think that that's at my request. No, 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 no. no, no. Listen, we I want to be. They know we don't like them. We got, <laughs> yeah, I want to be very clear. It's entirely our. I want to dissociate we, myself with those we, comments. We, 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 <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was an, um, so no entirely our um, our entirely our doing because um, that's just that's the decision that we made right yeah right so you can call during Tim's segment and here we like to we like to talk a little bit more so um, Mayor Mitchell thanks for joining us uh, great to be here I, I just tell all the listeners that even at this early point this show has been a huge success for me because i got a complimentary <laughs> yes, mug you for did. you guys yeah. uh, tonight uh, <laughs> yes. it says it says marcus and mccarthy i just wonder how you guys sorted that order out uh, <laughs> <laughs> my mom made the mug so yeah. I yeah. All, right, all, right. all right so that answers it i asked my mom to do it but she didn't answer <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so uh, <laughs> so, Mr. Mayor, um, you've unleashed on the city and on the state, I should say, a new housing plan. What an interesting Indeed. choice of words. Unleashed. Unleashed. Yeah. Well, like, look, it's the biggest. Kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the biggest topic, not only in the city, but in the state, and in, in, in really Na- in the United States, right? Uh, too. One of them, certainly. Um. A lot of good stuff in there. You, you point out a, a lot of the factors that make unique New Bedford unique. But I do like the fact that you're saying it's not New Bedford's responsibility alone. Right. It is an entire region's issue. Right. And, and look, I think it's about time someone said what the suburbs have been doing. I know I because agree. when I was a selectman, I was part of it. All right. Specifically, we didn't want to bring sewerage into the town. Because we wanted to keep it the way it is. I mean, sewage service. You just certainly didn't want to bring sewage. No, no, today. sewage, sewage service. <laughs> sewage yeah, yeah. service, I'm sorry. Sewage <laughs> service into the town. Because when you just have septic systems and wells, it limits the amount of development they can do. Right. 
right? right? I mean, you can't have big multifamily apartments with a lot of kids in the schools if you don't have sewerage lines. Right. It's, it's yeah, really... That's right. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's a very subtle... It avoids to, the attorney general, too. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. They, well, if you yeah, live so, in the city, you probably don't even realize that. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's a great point. So, what we... Did Sorry, just, I think count. No, no, no. I mean, we've... Um, um, BSM did a great job covering the press conference uh, yeah, there's today. A, there's a story Kate, on WBSM.com yep, you can yep. check out. Uh, Kate, Kate was there today covering it, and it was great to, great to see her there, um, you know, because I know you guys are, the station's stretched for, uh, for, for coverage, but, but obviously it was a, an important announcement, and she was, uh, she was there to cover it. Um, you know, look, I mean, it's no secret that um, the housing crunch, loosely speaking, has been um, a topic of conversation and a real problem um, for New Bedford, but pretty much every city in the country, pretty much everywhere in America, except in the most rural areas. Sure. Uh, a few years ago, it was primarily a big city problem, right? And, it's, and um, I can just remember at the U.S. Conference of Mayors meetings uh, a few years ago, the big city mayors were focused on, you know, issues of, of gentrification and relatedly uh, mobility, people getting around. If just cities, you know, more people came into cities and they're growing, it, it becomes harder to move people by mass transit and other means. And, but now, since, especially since the pandemic, it's, it's an every city problem. And a lot of it's been driven, most of it has been driven by larger market forces, you know, historically low interest rates up until very recently, right. high commodity prices, right? Lumber, although that's come back down uh, yeah. as, as well, uh, just to use one example, and as well as a number of other things. And uh, so, you know, there isn't anything that we've talked about it before, but nothing we would... Uh, we don't presume that we can sort of solve it all here, right? It's, it's, uh, but there are a number of things that we can do that I think will make a dent. And if we're doing, if we're doing things that are, you know, proven to be effective. And so that's what this plan is primarily about is pr primarily about increasing housing supply, mm -hmm. right? To which will tend to drive down prices all being equal. Um, we do that by ensuring that the right kinds of subsidies are going to the right kinds of development. Uh, we ensure that we're, we do everything we can to remove barriers to uh, development and, uh, and that we continue to recruit developers and bring them into, uh, into the city so that uh, we can see more construction uh, going on. So it's all those things. And, and meanwhile, uh, facilitating the removal of vacant properties from their vacant status and getting them back on the market. We, have, we don't have a ton of vacancy in the city, but we, and every city has sort of a... a uh, irreducible uh, amount of, of vacancy at any given time. Sure. Mm -hmm. Turns over, you know, there are people who are living alone and they die and, and, and their house gets caught up in probate or whatever, right? So that there's always some number sure, of folks of in, in that position. But but I think we can make some, uh, I think we can make some traction on that front as well. There's some properties that are stuck in land court. There's some properties in tax title and so forth. So we can, we can move those things along as well. There are a number of measures that we can take. Uh, we also want to promote home ownership. I think that's I very that important yeah. uh, for the stability of neighborhoods. We've seen, especially in our tenement neighborhoods over the last 20 years, uh, owner occupancy plummet. And so if you go to the, you know, the near north end, you're looking at roughly a 20%. And that may be a little, that may be 
a little liberal. It, it's 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 probably lower than twenty percent owner occupancy rate. All those houses originally were built right as mill housing, right. where the arrangement was you know family on the first floor, you know cousin on the second, grandparents on the way, or some, right. some permutation of that. Right, that doesn't. It's pretty rare these days, okay. and so then that has the 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 ownership of um, by absentee landlord has, I, to my mind. Uh, caused a certain destabilization of those those neighborhoods so we want to promote yeah. um, owner occupancy I think that's that's really big and then for people who are on the edge we want to make sure that we're providing resources to support them so we're increasing rental assistance we're, we're ensuring that uh, we want to ensure that if, if someone's on the edge of getting kicked out because they can't pay the bills they've lost a job whatever the circumstances that we can get them in and get get the support they need there are a number of there are a number of things here there's some 22 measures a lot of the stuff we have been doing sure um so it's uh, and I, I say that so that people don't think well you've been doing this and now you come out with a plan it's all just sort of <laughs> window dressing it's not um there's a lot of new things in there but having it all packaged together so that people understand there's a strategic approach to this that we're not just you know, this isn't knee-jerk. Uh, we're, we've, we've taken in the input from a lot of folks in public hearings, housing experts, developers, and our own experience, whether we ex- experience uh, these housing issues every day with people coming in looking for housing, developers looking come in to come in and develop. So this is really a synthesis of all that. Um, it has been framed, as you know, uh, as a regional problem because yeah. it is. It's not as though the regional economy or in particular the housing market is confined neatly to the you know the the, the municipal borders right right, right. Uh, it's it's a greater New Bedford wide problem and the reality is that um, and as we take pains to point out in, in the in the plan <laughs> a disproportionate amount of the, the poverty in the region yeah. is yeah. in New Bedford about 78 percent of the poverty even though it's New Bedford accounts for almost 50 percent of the population of Greater New Bedford, Greater New Bedford being the contiguous suburbs plus the Tri Towns, right? Marion, um, Marion, Mattapoisett, and Rochester. So, um, and we know that uh, the towns, uh, at least uh, with the mo- based on the most recent data, don't comply with Chapter 40B, which requires that right. 10% of the housing has to be uh, income restricted, uh, or else the state can just sort of override zoning restrictions, right? Yeah. right? Um, so that, that that compliance isn't there. So the idea here is that, look, um, I, I get it. I mean, I, you, you make a very uh, compelling point as someone who had been um, a selectman in, in Freetown and how it, how it works. Um, right. It's the towns don't want it, but they have to at some point become part of this conversation. You, so you, that's 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 because you can't say to New Bedford, New Bedford, you will bear the burden of everybody with needs in Greater New Bedford. It's it's the the happenstance of where municipal borders were, were drawn, you know, 200 years ago, uh, shouldn't dictate how this broader economic uh, issue is is addressed. I mean, to that point, um, you know, the Rogers School has been languishing here for like a decade, and there was a proposal for housing to build in that lot housing, and uh, someone had commented. I keep bringing it up, uh, but someone had commented in a forum about it on Facebook. Uh, it looks like they're building a Melville Towers in our quaint little town, to which I'd say. So what if they are, you know? And so I think there's probably a lot of NIMBY uh, attitudes here in Fairhaven, uh, where we live in Dartmouth, Freetown, et cetera, that, that we probably need to, um, you know, uh, dispel. Well, you yeah, got to so. correct it politically. You can't just 
dismiss so it's though because it's a real force. Yeah, of course, yeah. And 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 you know, it, if you're a select person in one of these towns, you're going to get pushback. I mean, that's 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 the nature. But but uh, we got to do something different, and it can't just be New Bedford given its constrained resources, shouldering the entire load. It's just, and, and you look at how the implications of the concentration of poverty, of which there are many um, in, in the city, you know, among other things, um, you know, the vast majority of high need students in the region are right. in the New Bedford public schools. Right? So, and you can't, nobody can with a straight face say that has no bearing on educational performance. If I could just make one suggestion, I had no intention to do this, I didn't think we were gonna cover this, but, Probably the thing you could help the suburbs with is by lending your professional staff, planners, things like that, to help the cities, to help the towns, because they don't have those people, right? Yeah. So they don't even have, they just, a developer comes in, they have no municipal um, research ability, no expertise really, right. at the municipal level, where you probably have a couple of them, not that you can spare them, but yeah. it would probably help a lot. And I'm just thinking my, my experience no, with we, Freetown. Really, I think it's a great point. There are capacity constraints there, although the towns have, uh, they, 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 you know, it varies, but there, there's, there are a lot of talented people working in municipal government in the, in the towns, right? You can only stretch people's data no, so far, totally right? So, there's, so I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, if, if, if we can be helpful, we'll do that. You know, we will... We've had some conversations um, outside of the city about it, uh, especially with uh, the state delegation. Um, you know, it's tricky for them as well, right? But they they see the problem very clearly. I mean, they most of them represent parts of the city and parts of the, the towns, and they see the different mm-hmm. approaches. And you know, it's they're kind of hard to reconcile. To to that end, actually, of the speaking of the state delegation, I had gotten a press release from Tony Cabral's office. They'd talked about uh, seeking an expansion of the HDIP funding. Um, we had Lieutenant Governor Driscoll on a couple weeks ago. She talked about how they want to quintuple it, basically the HDIP funding. Um, what is HDIP, just for people who don't know, and what role is it playing in your, your comprehensive housing plan? Oh, what's the acronym stand for? Housing, <laughs> H is housing. Housing development. Is development. Incentive. Incentive program. And yeah. HDIP. So I just don't, you know, it's like well, lots of other acronyms. You, yeah. You use course. it all the time, but you don't think you right, can't remember right, what, yeah. what it stands for. Yeah. So HDIP, HDIP is a state program that allows for the subsidizing of the construction of, of, of housing units. Um, it, it differs from most other um, housing subsidies in that it doesn't come with an income restriction. So most of the income, most of the subsidies uh, that are out there and the most prominent one is, is the so-called low income tax credit, right? Which comes, which says that if you, and this is really important, I'm glad you know, we've raised the topic of subsidies because not all subsidized housing is the same. The most popular version is the low income tax credit, which says that if you, and, this, and it's funded by the, the state, actually it's funded by the federal government, passed through the states, administered by the state, but it, it essentially says this, if you build housing uh, that restricts um, the amount of rent that you can you can charge somebody, we'll give you this tax credit and you can sell the tax credit right. to, other, to investors and whatever. So it's just, it's free money and it help, makes the whole project more profitable. But the, the catch with it is not just in the, the cap on rent, but it's also the uh, fact that you can only rent it to people of a certain income for not just for a year, not just five years, but for 30 years. Right. And that is a really important point, right? So, you know, as a city, 
you know, we 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 have built a lot of housing with uh, or have facilitated the, the construction of housing with low income tax credits, which is appropriate, right? We want to make sure people uh, of a certain income have available housing. Everybody wants that, but you have to be careful about concentrating too much poverty Absolutely. in one place. And, and with with the LITEC, as it's called, low income tax credit, another acronym, um, you're essentially saying if if you if you build this and use this tax credit only people of a certain uh, certain level of, of income can be there for 30 years, for a whole generation. Right. So it does lead, and a lot of people have, who, who look at this stuff have said, you know, there, it comes with the risk of putting too much poverty in one place. And when that happens, then you have, it's, it's an, there's no avoiding it. I mean, you, you have, you can, the, problem, the, the problems associated with poverty play out in neighborhoods and in schools and so forth. What we want, ideally want is to have a city of, uh, of, of mixed income, people of every income level, sending their kids to the same school districts and all, and, and there's a lot of good that can come from that for everybody, right? right. That's the, that's the, I don't call it the utopian ideal, but that is, that's kind of what you kind of what you, you want to shoot for. Right. And the, the reality is the incentives are set up now and the barriers are to construction in the suburbs are set up such that a, a lot of these projects get pushed into, into the center city. And that's that there's, there's some risks there. So what this plan tries to do is strike a balance. We're going to be, uh, we will, we'll do income, restricted housing, but we'll only do it up to a certain level to ensure some mix of, of income levels. And, um, you know, we'll open to doing more when we see progress in the towns and the towns, you know, are start to comply with 40B when they when we start to see income restriction, restricted properties, or excuse me, units uh, being built there. Let's, uh, let's take a break and then we'll be right back. We're here with uh, New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. Yes. So uh, we're here with New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. He uh, released a comprehensive housing plan uh, today. It's stuff that, you know, it's basically, um, it's stuff that you've been working on and, for a while. And where can people see this, John? Uh, right on the city's website. Okay. It's posted on social media. So if you go to my Facebook or Twitter, you can download it there too. Well, better yet, they can see it on WBSM.com. There we go. So we can get some page clicks. No, no, clicks. no. Go to my Facebook. <laughs> 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 no, you're my page clicks. It's literally our currency. Yes. That is our currency, right? <laughs> We're printing money over here. We're like the Federal Reserve. So, uh, Mayor Mitchell, you, 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 as you rightfully point out, um, you've been doing a lot of this stuff that's in the plan. This isn't like you just printed the thing. You have, for instance, 450 new units of housing coming online. Well, about 150, but 150, there's, yeah. also, there's also something more happening too in sure. addition to that, uh, that we haven't like counted up to say like another 50 more or so, and then just uh, like another wave after that. So yeah, so um, over time, yeah, yeah, around, right, that, yeah. around that figure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. And, and, and you're doing that by leveraging ARPA funds, things like that, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, one of the things you specifically mention in your comprehensive housing plan is the Community Preservation Act funds. And uh, I've reserved time and space, uh, and so does Chris, every week uh, on this, pro uh, every day on this program <laughs> to talk about how important the pro uh, this Community Preservation Act is um, because uh, there's one elected official that, um, based on uh, some whimsy, wants to try to kill uh, the Community Preservation Act in New Bedford. Um, so uh, why is Community Preservation Act 
um, spelled out in your plan. What role is it playing in uh, fixing the housing situation in New Bedford? Yeah, well, so as, as you know, the, the voters of the city adopted the Community Preservation Act back in 2014. So 2014 to 2015, whichever it was. Mm-hmm. And um, it has, it's been a big success, right? Its purpose yeah. is to pull is to allow a city to pull resources for the purpose of promoting historic preservation, creating affordable housing, and uh, upgrading open space, right. right? And those are all things that everybody likes. And so the city, like other places, and New Bedford was one of the first, among the first cities, we weren't the first, but they were among the first cities in the state to adopt the CPA. It had been mostly adopted by, by towns. And, you know, so the, the money comes from a, a number of places. So there's a surcharge on property tax bills, right? That creates sort of yep. the, the base. And then that is matched with a certain amount of state funds every year. We use that and uh, the application process to leverage still more funds. So mm-hmm. and let me just explain that a little bit. So we have a community preservation committee uh, that uh, receives applications and it's independent of the mayor, it's independent of the city council, receives applications for historic preservation projects, um, open space projects, and um, um, affordable housing. And it vets those projects. One of the criteria they use, so there are lots of criteria, right? It's sort of the quality of the, the project and in any yeah. respects, but also how much private funds are being put into the mix, right? Because we want to make sure that the public dollars are going as far as they possibly can. We want to leverage private dollars. So over the last, since it's been instituted, we've done, I think it's uh, about $15.4 million in projects and and there's been about 7.2, if I remember, if I'm off a little bit, it's not by much, Uh, 7.2 million in in, uh, New Bedford funds, right? So uh, we've got a, over a hundred percent return on investment. Yeah, the um, Bedford has on these on these projects. That's a pretty good return on investment. I'd say anybody would say, right? So, um, and so it's it's gone to projects in every single ward of the yep. city, all the city's major parks. Ward um, two, I think, is the most beneficial. Actually, that's the one that's benefited the most. Ward two. It, it may be because we've put a fair amount of funds right. into Brooklawn. Yeah, and but it but we've. Uh, you know, we've put a fair amount of funds uh, down on the peninsula, um, Ashley Park, uh, things like um, the Siemens Bethel, uh, things like um, uh, what else uh, off the top of my head? You've got the, the Cape uh, Verdean Women's, Women's um, Center. Yeah. Center, the, the, yep. the, the, um, the Strand Theater. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's a number. They're all, all over the city. Totally transparent. I've gone yeah, through the yeah. applications. It's probably the most transparent um process you have in the city, quite frankly, then it goes to the city council. Well, I like to think... Well, well, what I mean, come I mean, on, Chris. He no, gets no, in the middle no. of that, he's like, oh, man, come I just got to follow trying, that no, through. What are you trying to say? No, no, you know what? It's like, it's like complimenting your girlfriend on her dress, right? But yeah, you don't like thanks. the other one? Just be really careful. I love the way you did with your hair. Really you didn't like my hair careful. before, right? But what I mean but by that... It's one of the most visible projects. There you go. Right? The, the public they're, they're can see all the funding. People can see this stuff, like upgrades in parks and... You know, historic preservation, like First Baptist Church, right? I mean, that that got a bunch of uh, right. uh, uh, CPA funds. So, it's a it's a good, it's a it's a really good program. It's a very it popular a program. program. Yeah, you know, we propose in, in this um, in the housing plan that 
you know, we'd like to see, we'd recommend to the committee uh, that more funds go into um, into housing. I think there's a need there. Plus, you know, we've spent a lot of money on the parks. It's not to say that we, you know, we're, the parks don't need continual care. Of course they do sure. and, and upgrades. But, you know, Pete Barnes only doing, works so hard. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we do, you know, and we're, and we're doing a lot of park work using our ARPA funds as well. So I think, um, so that's that's one of the many proposals in the in the plan. But the CPA is a good thing. It's been a very solid, a very productive program uh, for the city. Uh, I know the folks, the historic preservation folks like Whale, um, really like it. The friends of all the parks, uh, the friends groups, uh, Hazelwood, Buttonwood. And uh, and Brooklawn really uh, like it. They're big they don't supporters. just like it; they need it. What's that? They don't just like it; they need it. They need it, and yeah. they really appreciate it. And, and and you know what? Having those resources it helps engage people, right? All those groups will tell you, yeah, if, if they like to remain engaged sure. with their parks that they live around, because in part because um, they know the city's committing resources to them. Right. The city's stepping up. Yeah, and and I think the housing advocates in the city would say, yeah, we uh, the the we could use more money for housing. So. I know that, that, that the park in the South End, um, Hazelwood Park, has gotten some really good recreational dollars down there, yeah. bowling, you know, uh, outside bowling, lawn yeah. bowling stuff. I mean, really, things that you would say, how much different would the city be if this was all gone? You know, it re- really, it's just not a good idea. And, yeah. John, I think it's a good pivot point because let's get to the vetoes. You, what uh, vetoes? <laughs> the ones... <laughs> you guys are talking about right. a little bit. Uh, so, yeah. the... It's important because um, the city council voted how they voted for the for those ballot questions, but now they have an opportunity to, which we often don't have, to go back in time, to rethink their votes, to to look at your logic, and to maybe do a little more deep thinking than they did the first time around, and correct maybe something that they hadn't looked at properly, and to not override your vetoes. There's still some votes out there. They've got a vote coming up. Yeah. Well, um, and I appreciate the analysis that you guys uh, did of, of the, the matter. I mean, I think you, know, you talked a lot about my position. I, and I tried to spell it out as, um, as clearly as I could. Um, and I, I, look, you had these three relatively momentous proposals. And now, mind you, they're non-binding, but they right. are big items, right? This, these aren't things you just sort of trifle with the... You know, retraction of the right. CPA, the repeal of the CPA, uh, the change in uh, the term of uh, the mayor after just after one mayoral election with a four-year term, right? A suddenly proposed reversal of that, and then the it won't affect then, the next one. You run for re-election, though. Open the door to some talk right. about that. Well, well we, we, you can't see we're setting you up. <laughs> and then there's you know the the rent control thing, right? Which right. is a hugely complex rent stabilization. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. forget to use the Marxist term. <laughs> <laughs> we change the language, not just the economy. <laughs> yeah. So, look, it, it's, 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 um, it, they were all put on there. Um, Blithely. Right. Yeah. Hastily, without, without process, without input. And I think things need to get slowed down, right? And when it goes back up, I think there's, shouldn't just be a voice vote. There should be a roll call, right? Uh, I think that's going to be important so that everybody knows where each councilor stands. And, I've, you know, I've had a number of really good conversations with councilors about where they stand, and I think it's probably, at least what I've gotten from them, is that's where they stand is not exactly 
where they appear to have voted. Um, well, uh, I'm getting the same thing, John. Yeah. It seems to me because there was a lack of process, a lack of thought, some people were steamrolled uh, maybe into voting um, or didn't give it enough thought, didn't even know it was coming up. So now they've got a second chance. Yeah, I think they just need to, they need to slow these things down. And look, there have been some... You know, there's this this housing plan. Um, I think for, should be treated as an intervening event. You know, nobody wants to you know be seen as reversing their votes. But if there's new information, well, right. that could be. Well, so the city has a comprehensive plan to deal with housing, and we've heard a lot from the likes of the chamber, the likes of the realtors association, you guys, right. lots of others calling them up saying. Um, Ixnay on the rent control, a right? right? So that well, so, at least I have. It. Well, yeah, but I mean, a lot of folks have pointed out that. Look, and, and by the way, on, on the matter of rent control or rent stabilization, I totally get it. Look, I mean, you see, totally people, do. I do people too. people getting their rents uh, jacked up all of a sudden, like like that's not a good thing, right? right. And shame on those landlords for who have who have gouged well, the, people. There right? has to be an acknowledgement right. that there's an unscrupulous landlord. Price yeah, gouging on, yeah. On it's not every landlord. It's certainly it's not a majority of them. Right. But you know, we've seen some of that, especially some some of the out of town folks who have moved in and you know pulled that stuff. And and not all the out of town folks, right? I know it cast right. cast too broad of a net here, not nearly. But um, yeah, so I totally get it. But in the idea of controlling the rent, the level of put imposing a price control is you know on the surface of things is sensible place to start but the rent control has a very checkered history in the united states right, it's, right. It, it's as i said in the letter uh you know the old saying goes that you know economists rarely agree on anything but except that rent control doesn't work right, right? so right. And it, it runs the entire political spectrum and it's especially dangerous in a housing market like ours we don't have developers lined up outside the door like right like the major metros do, the closest one being Boston, but there, there are other examples around the country. Because of the, you know, the marginal the profitability of housing, new housing developments here, we can't be erecting more barriers to development. If we're telling developers, well, you can come, we'd love to have you come here and build housing for folks, but we're going to limit the amount of money you can make, they're going to be like, well, I'm going to the next closest city, right? So like, what, what, what am I doing with you guys? Like, Particularly with... Just, and, you and, can't, and look, it's, if you well, understand, like, it's not the public sector that builds right. housing. It's the private sector, and the, everybody in the private sector wants to make a profit. Uh, let's, we're going to take a break. Yeah. We'll be right back with uh, New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSL. Place 200-300. They know the local issues from the inside out, and they call it like they see it. Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow are back with more South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Um, welcome back to the show. I'm Chris McCarthy. Marcus. Marcus Farrow's, as always, on the phone. doing that NPR whisper now. This is welcome to NPR. We I'm not, we're not hyped up on coffee. Talking out. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> the, um... The housing is a major issue. The, the, the rent control piece... Mr. Mayor, I, I liked your letter. I thought you, you pulled no punches. I think that's required. You have to tell developers that you're going to 
make the, the case for it not to go forward because it does quell development. But in, in this, we do have a new housing chairman, Shane Burgo. He's, he's a really nice guy, but I do think he's out of his depth. And the fact is he, he only held a total of less than three hours worth of meetings for his housing committee. One of the reasons that he said he didn't is because he was so busy meeting with you and negotiating with you uh, on the ARPA funding to get it into housing. What's your recollection, if any, of those meetings? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... Look, I, I, let me say this. I, I think I think Shane is um uh, he's he cares a lot about these issues um obviously there are things i don't agree with him um on yes uh rent control is is actually it's probably the primary one there may be others but that's you don't know what's coming next week that's 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 come up um you know tom come to the fore recently but i you know i hope to work with him you know, in the time ahead to try to uh, advance this plan and try to, um, and in fact, the plan has one of the items that I think he's championed to his credit, which is the, you know, the changes in the zoning that will make it easier to establish accessory dwelling units like the in-law, so-called in-law apartments. I think that could be helpful. I don't think it's going to be make work a major change at all, but I think, you know, what we're trying to do is use a set of policies that all together might, might make a, a difference, and that's one of them. Um, so, look, I, I hope you know hope to, to work with them and the entire council to try to advance the stuff and not try to reach for something that might uh, a policy that doesn't work, but but might satisfy a handful of people who are screaming for it, namely rent control. No, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if I was, to, but you're a former U.S. attorney, you can handle this. If I was to, <laughs> I wasn't a witness. If I, today <laughs> you are. If I was to look at your, if I was to look at your calendars. Would yeah. I find a meeting about ARPA funds with Shane Burgo? Um, I certainly talked to him about ARPA, ARPA funds. Yeah, I talked to pretty much every single counselor about... Um, but you have no recollection of a, of a meeting where he negotiated with you to get more ARPA funding for housing? I think, he, I, I think it's fair to say. Well, I don't have a specific recollection. I think he raised it uh, with, with, with me. Thank but, you. Um, but look, I, it, it's, you know, to my mind, um, you know, I, what I'd like to, I, he cares about this stuff. I want to work with him to advance sure, of course. Stuff for the, for the betterment of people in the city who really need housing. So, um, I actually want to talk about a little bit about offshore wind. Um, I'd asked, I, we, I think spoke briefly about this, but, um, I'd asked governor Healy about the oven grid situation, which, um, they're looking to opt out of um, a, a, con a purchase power agreement that they had. Uh, senator um, Mike Rodericks, who's the chair of Ways and Means and a South Coast uh, senator, said he wants to um, basically ban anybody who backs out of their contract from making any more bids. Uh, Governor Healy gave me an answer that was uh, fairly noncommittal, but seemed like was leaning towards she wasn't supportive of Senator Rodericks' idea. Uh, what's your position on it? Yeah, I, I get the concern, and um, you know, Avangrid's a big company, and it's and it's a subsidiary of a even bigger company, an energy company um, called Ibadrola, which is based in Spain. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I think it's there's there's probably, and I don't want to speculate too much, but we we're just talking about this at length yesterday at the offshore wind conference in Baltimore that I spoke at. That you know, there were a number of foreign companies that are that was there. a good pivot i was gonna i was gonna ask you about that after yeah yeah all right good uh, <laughs> hold that thought but but i i um 
There, so I, I think some of these European companies are getting used to doing business in in America. I, I think in Europe there's a you know very there is a very knitted relationship between business and um, and and government that isn't quite the same here. That's more arm's length here. I think appropriately so. And so I think um, Avant Grid um, bid in a little too aggressively at a, at a price that it ultimately wasn't going to be able to. Uh, sustain and they're trying to back out and they put they put a lot of political pressure on the incoming governor um so i i don't know that uh it should totally disqualify them from future rounds um as um as senator rogers has proposed although that's not that's not a crazy position at all to take i i think there's got to be a yeah. little more flexibility but you know the reality is that avangrid's put itself at a whole lot of risk by 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 doing that sure um, and, um, you know, I think the, the Commonwealth should try to hold fast to what, what had been bid, bid in, uh, the, the original bid and uh, what's, you know, the, what's called the third round, the third solicitation in the state. That's the one that Avangrid won um, and, and just hold them to that. So you were the keynote speaker um, at a uh, offshore wind, uh, the port committee meeting in an offshore wind conference in, um, in, in Baltimore. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so that was, um, it's a conference of the business network for offshore wind, which is, uh, and this is in its 10th year, it started off with 20 people in a room, and now they're up to almost 4,000. And uh, they... Uh, and it's a, their, their growth is I th- it mirrors the growth of the offshore wind industry in the U.S. and 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 it's not just Europeans coming over. Most of it are American companies getting into the into the business. And so uh, there was an opportunity for me um, to to talk about all the stuff that's going on in New Bedford, and you know, that includes um, what and this is coming from them a startling amount of infrastructure construction in the in the port we're doing more than pretty much anybody in the country uh, according to port experts right and it's you've, you've talked about it before we've we've been we did we've done the planning we've built the relationships at the federal and state level to try to facilitate grant making uh, we've worked with developers we've done all this uh, a number of other things to put ourselves in a position to modernize the port and now like drive around you see all these cranes on right. the waterfront right. and all that construction going on and it's didn't happen by accident stuff that we've been working on for a long time it's a little less visible the work's a little bit less visible to the public although you do see the cranes because it's out on the water right so sure it's not like buildings going on. right but uh it's 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 uh, a lot uh of capital being invested in the port setting the city up really strongly for the frankly the next 50 years so um there i will just know i know we got a break there was a big new bedford contingent uh, at this conference and businesses and a number of other folks and it was really really great to see big new effort contingent no one invited us no well next yeah. time next year, <laughs> next year. <laughs> all right let's take a break <laughs> so oh, 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 yeah, yeah so um we were talking to our friend ted nisi uh earlier today and he had a he had a good story that was out on wpri um about low voter turnout in the bristol county cities to include new bedford um the one of the proposed solutions uh, is to switch to an even year election instead of an odd year like Rhode Island has done. Uh, based on the story, you seem to have a little bit of resistance, more so than your, um, your other... Remind pers- me what I said. Uh, well, they, they just said in broad strokes that you were you were reluctant um, to support switching... To move city to state elections calendar. Yeah, to move it to the to state elections calendar. 
Yeah, I look. I, I think uh, look, uh, voter turnout is really bad, um, and uh, we've talked about it before, and we've tried a lot of different ways to drive turnout, um, ranging from you know nowadays uh, mail-in voting and um, and early voting and loosening up the absentee um, voting rules. Um, more promotion, more, you know, continuing to have probably more voting locations than we really need, right? We've got some voting locations where, you know, a handful of people show up and right. it really sort of begs the question, well, should you be consolidating some of these sites, right? But mm -hmm. we, we continue to hold those sites open just to make it as easy as possible. Um, and we've taken a number of other measures. So it's hard. There are some cultural changes going on in the United States that we don't fully understand, uh, although we understand some of it that has driven people away from the civic life of the city and, and lots of other stuff, military service, church attendance, like et cetera, et cetera. Right. That's the bowling alone problem being becoming much worse than Robert Putnam, the author of that book, probably ever envisioned. Right? Sure, absolutely. And that is, um, you could have a whole discussion about, about that. Um, I, I'm open to more ways we, in which we could possibly uh, drive more people out to the polls. More candidates helps, right? That ten, tends to help. Doesn't always help. We saw what happened in War Three. We had a, would a you whole bunch of candidates, but it didn't in the preliminary. But it didn't do it. Would you encourage people so, to run? People should run. Yeah, people should run. Yeah, more the more more the better, right? It's it's actually. Uh, also, and I'll get to your, your question mark. He's a trained train, train cross-examiner. He's not going to let me walk away from the from the uh, the question. But yeah, I mean, pe people, people. I encourage people to run for office. You've you've run for office. You've got you've, you're an office holder right now, right? Yeah, Marcus, uh, so. yeah. I actually just stepped down. Oh, you did. Yeah, this job's too much. The, just well, that's, this a, job that's is, not going to encourage anybody to run for office. <laughs> well, if they have a choice to talk no. radio show, get a talk radio show. What kind of example are you setting? <laughs> run for office unless you get a nightly talk radio show. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, I think what I'd say to people is, um, you know, if you talk to people who run for office, who put their... Oh, 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 hold on. Do you support changing the election calendar from odd years to even years? I'm, I'm I hate to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't see it as making that that big of a difference. Okay. Um, Why is that? Well, I think it may. Um, it would. Um, it, it may allow for a higher turnout, slightly higher turnout. It may diminish municipal u issues on the ballot. Yes. Oh, true. Um, Good and, point. Out messages. And honestly. Yeah. Uh, I feel strongly this way, having served for a while now in municipal government. Um, municipal issues are really important. It's the stuff that people, it's most visible of, you know, yeah. all government action, right? It's public right. safety, it's the schools, it's trash Absolutely. pickup, it's parks, it's all the stuff that we've been talking about. So, um, I, so I'm skeptical. I am open to saying, if someone says, has a study that says, well, when this hat, when the city switched to the same year as uh, the same time as the state, we saw all kinds of good stuff happen, rebirth of civic life. Yeah, I'd say, okay, well, let's take a look. But I'm, I'm a little skeptical. I think it would. So, it but would just, crowd. To, yeah, ahead, just get ahead. back to because the thing is, but what, what I want to say about running for office is, is this: you talk to anybody. I, I say this about a lot of stuff, like 
you know, military service is another one, right? You never run into anybody who says, right. you know, who served in the military and said, you know what, that was a complete waste of time. Why did I do that? I should never. You well, never sheriff, hear anybody with regrets, right? They may regret some, some sheriff, part of it, but they don't regret, <laughs> regret the decision to do it. Right. The same is true of folks who run for political office. And because everybody, you know, regardless of the result, people say, you know, I learned something about myself. You know, I pushed myself hard. I learned something 